1: Hello, this is Neil Garfield, and this is Thursday, September 27th, 2018. When you boil it all down, the issue in foreclosure cases is whether there has been a default suffered by the actual creditor, and whether it is the actual creditor bringing the action. That basically is the nub of all foreclosure litigation at least, well, I would uh, add the caveat to that. It's the nub of all foreclosure litigation where there are claims of securitization or there is an infrastructure of securitization behind the claim that the bank that is bringing the action uh, uh, is saying that uh, it is the, uh, the lender because it was originally. Uh, that's rarely true. And when you see an action by America City, Chase, Wells, it always comes back down to the fact that they are, uh, at best, servicers. As we have discussed ad nauseum I think on this program as well as um, on the blog, there is the, the distinct possibility that the receivable expected by those entities or people who advanced the money for the, for the loan has been paid off or otherwise discharged. You don't know about that because it all happened all the way up in the upper tiers of Wall Street. So the question is, who are these lawyers who are arguing the claim and who are these so-called parties on whose behalf the lawyers appear to be stating a claim? And that question relates back to what I, uh, you have already heard from me, and that is if the lawyer says that he represents the plaintiff, and the plaintiff is a trust, then in all probability the trust doesn't exist, in which case the statement that the lawyer represents the plaintiff is a misstatement. In addition, the statement that the lawyer represents U.S. Bank, for example, or Deutsche Bank uh, as, as trustee is also an, uh, an, a non-truthful statement because in virtually all cases there's been no contact between the lawyer and the supposed trustee of the Remick Trust. It turns out that a commonplace court-ordered mediation might well be the right vehicle to expose the lack of authority and the lack of compliance, not only with civil procedure, but even a direct court order. And that is because neither the lawyers nor their actual client, the subservicer, know the creditor. They don't know who it is. They only know what has been fabricated for their use in a foreclosure action. I recently received a story from a reader whose name will not be disclosed here. It mirrors many similar stories I have received uh, as the author of the Living Lies blog, and it mirrors my own experience as a lawyer going to what was set up as a mediation between the two parties to the action, a homeowner and the plaintiff suing for foreclosure, both with presumably total authority to consider and negotiate any kind of settlement. Many judges have questioned what they perceive as the randomness of modifications and the denials of modifications. They also question uh, the uh, merry-go-round or musical chairs that occurs when they keep switching servicers and that's the subject of a whole other talk, but basically it's to create this, the fiction of this boarding process, which is a legal fi- fiction, as stated by Judge Botchko, I think. Um, um, but I'll leave that. If I sue you for $100 and we are ordered to mediate, we must appear at mediation, and since we are both fully empowered to settle... if we uh, we want to, we have therefore complied with the order. But what happens if somebody shows up with a self-serving declaration that they are an authorized representative? Does he, she have the power? One judge put it as simple as this. Does he, she need to make a call before settling? If they do need to make a call, if the answer is yes, then there is no compliance. They didn't show up with authority. In fact, the plaintiff may not have shown up at all. If no, then there is compliance if they can settle without making that call. Tonight, we talk about mediation and modification. It turns out that mediation, if played properly, can be an excellent opportunity to demonstrate the dubious authority of anyone to initiate foreclosure or appear at mediation. It's the same thing. It doesn't. Uh, it's kind of counterintuitive, but it is. And lawyers and pro se litigants should bone up on the law with this because it's a serious way of undercutting the effort to foreclose by a party who has no authority to do so. If a judge orders the parties to mediation and one of them doesn't show up, the sanctions usually are judgment for the other side or dismissal if it was the plaintiff who didn't show up. If the court order says that the person showing up must have all the authority necessary To make a final decision and execute a binding settlement agreement, and their appearance is by some doofus on the telephone who won't give his full name and is only authorized to offer you an application for modification, the order has been violated. By the way, that's exactly what happens at most mediations. You're presented with an application for modification without any guidance as to what the terms might be or whether you would be approved. So they're offering nothing. They're offering snow in the winter. The results of bringing this to the attention are strikingly favorable to homeowners. You will find in most states uniform rules concerning mediation that require that both parties, A, show up, and B, have full settlement authority. It's best if you get a direct order of the judge um, or ask the judge to cite to the uniform authority, whether it's from the Supreme Court of that state or it's in the Civil Rules of Procedure, um, to make sure that you've got solid ground, legal ground, uh, for what you are about to do. Because what you are about to do is challenge the authority of the the lawyer and the so-called representative, who in actuality is a representative or employee of the subservicer who may not even have authority to do servicing. That happens often when there's a fabricated power of attorney presented, sometimes uh, uh, executed on behalf of an entity that has nothing to do with the loan. The facts show that in most cases, the party named by lawyers as having initiated foreclosure are not showing up at mediation and will never show up. And that is because there is no trust There is no trustee, there is no trustor, there is no beneficiary, and there are no assets that have been entrusted to the party named as trustee to actively manage on behalf of named beneficiaries of a legally existing and valid trust. I'm broadcasting live from Duval County, Florida, and this show is brought to you by the Living Lies blog, GTC Honors, Lending Lives, Amgar, and the Garfield firm, and this show is specially brought to you because of donations to the Living Lives blog from listeners like you. Thank you, and for those of you who are not yet contributors, we ask that you hit the donate button on the blog, or call 954-451-1230 and pledge whatever you think you can afford. If this show has value for you, if our work on the blog and our radio shows without payment or any other support has value to you, then chip in. Make a contribution to help us continue helping you and all consumers. Most people do not realize that mediation could be an extremely potent tool for homeowners. What you want is an order that commands all parties to be present with complete authority to negotiate a settlement through either lump sum payment or modification of current installment payments, Um, and you want that order, as I just said, preferably citing to a statute or court rules that require the parties to appear with full settlement authority. I've asked the question directly, If we offer you full payment as you have demanded, are you authorized to accept it? And the answer that I get has always been, I'll have to make a call, meaning no, they don't have the settlement authority. I've even asked what the payoff figure is, which is legal speak, for how much are you asking for? The answer always has been, I'll have to make a call. In actuality, here is who arrives at mediation. A representative of the alleged servicer will most likely be on the phone. Sometimes they're there physically. An attorney will be there. You will ask if the representative from the alleged servicer is authorized to appear as and for the plaintiff with full authority to negotiate terms of settlement. Most likely, the representative and the lawyer will evade the question. You will ask if the attorney represents the servicer. The answer will be yes. You'll ask whether the attorney represents the remit trust named in the foreclosure action. It's 50-50 whether they will answer truthfully. Either they will lie and say yes, and the inquiry is over by you, or they will repeat what that they represent the servicer. I've had lawyers insist upon coach, uh, coaching and coaxing by me that they represent the servicer, not the plaintiff trust. So in the case where that happened with me, uh, one of the cases... Uh, You had a servicer who sent a representative of the servicer without any authority to settle and who lacked authority as a servicer because they were relying on a faulty uh, power of attorney and an attorney who said... That they did not represent the Remick Trust that was the plaintiff in the foreclosure action. I concluded that the plaintiff had not shown up, and I left, and that started the uh, filing of motions for sanctions. You press on is there anyone here who is the plaintiff in this action with complete authority to negotiate a final settlement? You'll either get crickets or an evasive answer indicating that the servicer is agent for the plaintiff trust. But as I say, if you uh, uh, are doing probation and discovery, you should be able to break the connection between the uh, party who is named a servicer and the plaintiff trust, which, as I've explained before, probably doesn't exist. Uh, you will ask how the servicer is empowered to negotiate a settlement. Usually crickets is what you get as a response. You will then ask the mediator if he, she thinks the plaintiff is present with an authorized representative. The mediator will not rule on that. You'll ask it anyway, and you'll ask what the lawyer or representative of the servicer are empowered to say about settlement. They will answer that they are authorized to present an application for modification, but they are not authorized to approve it nor to disclose any terms that might be in a modification. In other words, they are there without any authority to settle. Once you have established that in front of the mediator, you have a very credible witness, and you can file your motion for sanctions that the plaintiff did not appear at all, or that a representative of the plaintiff was sent with absolutely no settlement authority. First, That obviously violates the the terms of the court order. You file your motion for sanctions, the court will grant it. But they'll withhold imposing sanctions, and the parties will be ordered to go to mediation again to put an end to the case and not to create a vehicle for further negotiations. So you declare that the plaintiff is not present and you leave, and you file a motion for sanctions, citing violation of the order, directing the uh, parties to mediation. And at first the judge is going to be lenient. That's where persistence counts, and also a willingness to take a pie in the face. But with each continued court-ordered mediation, and there may be many, of them, three or more, and each new motion for sanctions, most judges start to get irritated, especially if you ask questions like I did. When will this court's orders actually mean something? I usually get set back up, but remember, anger does not is not directed in a straight line. You have to be prepared to bear the brunt of the judge's anger in addition to most of his anger at the so-called attorney for the so-called plaintiff. If possible, you can ask whether they are empowered to accept a lump sum payment. They won't even know the payoff figure. If they do know the payoff figure, ask them if they could accept a lump sum payment of some amount which is a number that is less than the payoff but reflects charges and interest that you are contesting. They will not have that authority either, further solidifying your position that the plaintiff never arrived and the parties who came had no authority to negotiate. This will happen as many times as you go to mediation and each time you file a motion for sanctions until the judge breaks the dam and orders sanctions, and they do. If they say the servicer is empowered to negotiate, your question is how do we know that the bookkeeper has authority to settle the whole case? The answer is that the service does not have that authority and is actually following directions from a remote third party who in turn defers the decision to a more remote party, most likely in Jacksonville, which would be Black Knight. If they say they need to make a call, ask who they are calling. It will be someone in the service or organization who in turn is going to call the outside parties because the trust doesn't exist and the trustee has no powers to make such decisions or even the power to inquire as to what's going on in the so-called trust that doesn't exist. What you are drilling in for the judge is the fact that the trustee of the Remick Trust has no authority to make decisions and therefore the trust might not exist. It opens the door to challenging the existence of the elements of a trust since the foreclosure complaint never says that the remake trust is organized and existing under the laws of any jurisdiction or even that it, it doesn't even say that it is a trust. It's kind of a presumption that everybody makes when they skim over the complaint. But normally when an entity files suit, it says... We are ABC, LLC, uh, a limited liability company organized and existing under the laws of the state of Florida. Uh, Or we are U.S. Bank, N.A. with a national charter. The so-called trust, in reality, has no trustee because the named trustee has no trustee powers. It has no beneficiaries because the investors have bought certificates that only entitle them to payment from the trust with no claim or interest in the so-called underlying loans. There is no trustor who has entrusted the loans to a tr- the named trustee for active administration in the trust and there is no race which is uh, race means thing there's nothing in the trust in most cases a so called trust instrument is complete, incomplete unsigned or without a valid mortgage loan schedule attached to the PSA pooling service agreement um, uh, which serves as the trust instrument A close look at the certificate purchased by the investors and a close look at the PSA trust instrument will reveal that the investors were never beneficiaries under a legal trust arrangement. Instead, they were merely purchasing promises to pay issued by what appeared to be a trust holding assets and conducting business while at the same time disclaiming outright or being prevented from making any claim against the underlying assets. A close look will also show that no trustor, that is a a party creating the trust by transferring assets into the possession and control of the trustee, the party deemed the receiver of the documents showing ownership and control over the loan, is the depositor who never receives anything. A close look will also show that there is no complete trust instrument it might not be signed but invariably was not created at the same time that the mortgage loan schedule was prepared that's similar to the whole issue of when the endorsement of the note occurred and when delivery of the original note occurred because if you don't have that you don't have an action uh... Uh, But if you do, it still doesn't mean that you have a proper action for foreclosure. The prospectus even states flat out that the mortgage loan schedule attached to the documents is only an example of what the MLS will look like but will be attached at a later time. That attachment never occurs and generally is not included in whatever is uploaded to sec.gov in a self-serving manner. Remember that sec.gov is not jur- a jurisdiction in which the existence or creation of a legal entity uh, is created or registered. It is a dumping ground for self-serving proclamations of facts that are not true. The now famous trick is to upload the pooling and servicing agreement as a trust instrument and then download it and show that it was downloaded from sec.gov. Uh, and asking the court to recognize it by judicial notice, which would be improper, and proffering the copy as proof uh, of the existence of the trust, and then later producing an MLS that was uh, produced for the subject litigation at an unknown time and date by unknown persons based upon unknown data. As many lawyers and pro se litigants have learned to their intense displeasure, the court will almost always erroneously place the burden of proving the non-existence of the creditor on you until you make the judge mad, mad at the lawyers and the parties, but most especially mad at the lawyers for the party claiming the right to foreclose. <clears throat> By not complying with the express words of a court order setting mediation, something which, by the way, they can't do because they don't know and they have no access to an actual party who owns the debt. By not complying with those express words of the court order setting mediation, the lawyers who say they are representing a trust start getting into hot water when they do not show up with someone who is a person who is completely authorized by the Remick trustee to settle the case. You must be prepared to get the judge angry, and you must expect that the anger is not just going to be against your opposition, although it will be focused there. And in many cases, including the one that was just sent to me, the judge, after... Uh, seeing that the chief judge's mediation credentials order had been disobeyed and that the plaintiff attorney had lied to the court blaming the homeowner for the mediation failure. The judge dismissed the entire case on the spot and issued his written order a few weeks later with prejudice. In other words, game over all because of mediation. So in that case, the pretender lender was countrywide, uh, and of course Bank of America uh, continued to service the uh, the loan even though the case had been dismissed with prejudice. Uh, Ockwin washed its hands off the account and now uh, Shell Point Servicing is pretending to service the account. The last time a payment was made on this supposed loan was in uh, summer of 2008. So here we are 10 years later, and the homeowner is still in the home, and the parties who brought the foreclosure have no basis on which they could bring a further action on the debt, the note, or the mortgage because of violation of court-ordered mediation. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week. Have a great weekend.